Hi there, my name's Max Newland. My friends and I love anime, but you don't have to take my word for it. Hello, my name is Max Kostrak, and I have a confession today. I do love anime. Hey there, my name is Stevie Matos, and I love anime like I love yogurt parfaits. I watch it, I engage with it, and I think about it a lot. Give me a good bed of mechs, sprinkled with some harem anime, a slice of life, and some little dabs of a sports anime. Let's go. Mm. Now doesn't that sound delicious? Join us every Monday at the After School Anime Club, a podcast where we play fun games and talk through the anime classics of the 90s and 2000s. That's the After School Anime Club, available now on your podcatcher of choice. to another episode of unwise girls i'm your host jacqueline and i'm your other host jane and we're your favorite podcast all but the books of rick riordan today we're continuing the blood of olympus the final book in the heroes of olympus saga by rick riordan himself how are you doing today jane i'm all right i seem to have fallen into a fucking coma i didn't realize that it was a halloween episode already (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's uh, it's it's spooky month right it's june <laughs> june 29th is spooky month yeah sure it's fucking it's summerween yeah assuming that this comes out i guess yeah, it won't a, be this will be tomorrow so it'll be the 30th this so. won't be tomorrow now that i think about it oh uh, will, will it not uh we have a special little treat that listeners listeners will probably have heard by now the the show swap oh yeah okay okay so I, I get to have a whole fucking week dead at this. <laughs> God, imagine if we kept that pace up and we're like a week ahead forever. Would be kind of awesome. It won't happen. <laughs> it won't happen. How are you today, Jacqueline? I'm doing okay. I've uh, done so much stuff, checked off so much stuff on my to-do list. I brought, Yay. I bought a whole new microphone. Um, and then <laughs> And that's why it. you sound so good right now, right? I sound fine, you know, this is the sure family of microphones that I've been lent is still, you know, it it sounds good, but it's nothing. I maybe I guess I haven't tried it yet compared to the the new one that I got, which I didn't realize uh, was USB-C to USB-C. So I need to get an adapter before I can use it. (laughs) Oh, it's Jacqueline. I'm sorry, but it is so funny to me that you that microphone was like $200, right? Uh-huh. And you didn't check the USB adapter it needed? Listen, it said it was <laughs> plug and play. I, I said, okay, I'll plug it and play. Yeah, you need to plug it into something, though. I didn't realize. I thought, like, my... <laughs> I've never had a microphone that doesn't just plug into a normal USB port. A while ago, uh, my my mother spent £200 on a fountain for the back garden. Uh, and when it arrived, uh, she, you know, she looks at the product pictures of it and it says like big, hefty, like stone gray fountain. Uh, and when it arrived, she found out that it was made of uh, painted polystyrene. Oh my God. She hadn't read the product description, which said this is a, not actually stone. It's fucking painted polystyrene. Uh, and that's, that's about where you're sitting in my mind right now, if I'm being honest. 
<laughs> no, wait a second. I don't think it's so unreasonable to think that you can just plug a microphone into your computer and go. <laughs> yeah, it says plug and play right there. Look, it looks like stone right there. <laughs> oh, well, enough clowning on me. Uh, <laughs> Never. Okay. I also have to buy an arm for it, too. Uh, oh. <laughs> no, just hold it. I guess I can just hold it. I'm sure the it, listeners so will love that. Around, yeah. Drop it. Drop it a few times during the recording and leave it all in. Oh god. But fucking anyway. Uh, <laughs> we're we're reading a book today. Jane, you wrote the summaries. You want to give those to us? I did write the summaries. You can really fucking lay into me if there's anything wrong with these ones after how I treated you in the opening of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, chapter 21, Reina. The gang arrive in San Juan, Puerto Rico, which is very odd because that's not where they are aiming. Nico passes out while Coach Head starts looting the mysteriously empty bar they've landed in. Reina privately speculates that her lending her strength to Nico might explain why they ended up here, as her worst fear is returning home. Their connection has only led to her becoming more protective of him also, as every time they shadow travel she feels more of his pain and loneliness. While trying to tuck him in, she's shocked when her hand briefly passes through him almost as if he's a ghost. She worries that he's fading due to the intense shadow travelling. Before she can worry any more about that, however, a dart hits her in the neck and she passes out just in time to see Coach Hedge go down too, as a bag is pulled over her head by a mysterious assailant. Chapter 22. Raina. Raina wakes up in the captivity of the Hunters of Artemis and meets Thalia. Turns out that they've allied up with the Amazons to turn the entire city into a trap for Orion, using Raina as bait since Orion is following her trail rather than that of the Athena Parthenos. Thalia leaves with her sister, here to talk over what the plan is from here. Chapter 23, Reyna. Reyna explains that her magic users deliberately pulled the trio to San Juan for this plan, and that both the Amazons and Hunters of Artemis are committed to this because Orion has been a pain in their collective necks for millennia, because he didn't die in the last giant war, and has instead spent that time stalking the earth and murdering both hunters and amazons for daring to be strong female characters. They explain that in ancient times he joined the hunt and was good friends with Artemis, but she friendzoned him, and he freaked out so badly that she ended up having to kill him. He resurrected and has been evil and misogynistic ever since. The hunter's quartermaster, Phoebe, gives Raina some equipment, including a cool instant pop-up tent to speed the tree on what will surely be a very easy journey once the Alliance kills Orion. Then the walls explode and Orion bursts in. Chapter 24, Reyna. Orion, having dodged all the hunters patrolling San Juan, kills everyone in the room besides Reyna and Hia, who have to run for it. They escape through a magic trapdoor that leads into the sister's childhood home, which Hia apparently acquired after their father's death. This place holds a lot of grim memories for both of them, especially Reyna, who is furious that her sister has anything to do with this place. They run out into the street, but they were too slow. Orion has already cut them off. They manage to get him talking, and, he fi- and they find out that he's basically a huge incel, who's really bitter that women don't like what a cunt he is. He explains that his basic attitude to life is that too much love is poison, and offers to spare Reyna in exchange for the location of the statue. Reyna is just glad this offer means Orion doesn't know where it is yet, and she and he go for him. The girls manage to last until the hunters who Orion bypassed in the city can make it to them and back them up, along with Coach Hedge and Nico, who manage to restrain Orion temporarily. The trio plus Thalia flee to try and get a head start on Orion before he can free himself, but on the way back through Reyna's old house they find it full of ghosts who call her a traitor and a murderer. Reyna is so freaked out by this that she passes out, with the chapter closing as Thalia and Coach Hedge support her and keep running. Chapter 25, Jason. Jason is still dying from his sword wound, but still pitches in to try and keep the Argo afloat during a huge storm. 
he and Percy head into the water to see if there's a supernatural source for this so they can hopefully deal with it before the ship sinks. They find a ruined palace underwater where a mysterious god introduces herself as Percy's sister. Chapter 26, Jason. She tells them her name is Kimopalea and that she's a minor goddess of the storm. Bitterly working with Gaia for a better deal, yada yada, even Percy and Jason are bored by this before she's finished talking. They square up for a fight before Kimopalea announces that she will only be fighting Jason. Someone else has already laid claim to Percy. Polybates emerges from outside the palace turning the water around him to pure poison. So what do you think of these chapters? Uh, yeah, I thought they were pretty good. I, I, I'm a bigger Reyna fan than I was before. Yeah, big improvement of the last set of Reyna chapters, I think. So I guess that's that's an upside. Yeah, they, they, were, they were good. We, we were, got some good ones this week. What do you think? I like the Reyna ones. I think the Jason ones were kind of nothing. A little bit, yeah. I was able to speed through those summaries real quick. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, yeah. Do we want to start with the Jason ones and maybe go back to Reyna? I think that makes sense. Jason is really showing some, like, more and more the, like, wrinkles in his ideology you're showing, I guess. Uh-huh. There's a part where he talks about, like, long ago he had learned the best way to control a crowd of bullies, bullies was to pick the meanest, biggest kid and force him into submission. Then the others would fall in line. Which is, I don't... What a fascinating worldview for Jason to have. When did he? When did he learn that? I, I guess he learned that in prison because I'm pretty sure that's how that's how like movies portray it as like you're supposed to get respect in prison by picking the biggest guy and beat the shit out of him. Yeah, did he learn it long ago from watching the fucking like Shawshank Redemption or something? <laughs> I I can't remember. Were were he Piper and Leo and like Juvie or something at the start of this? I mean, they weren't, but they were, right? Like, uh-huh. they, or I guess Jason was the one who wasn't. Um, mm. And, but I guess he still has those memories, so that's probably what that is. But it's just, we, we're getting so much about Jason having sort of this, like, like almost sort of authoritarian streak, I guess. Yeah, definitely. This feels like it's sort of added onto the pile of that. Hopefully, hopefully that eases up the more time he spends at Camp Half-Blood. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised they got a, another Jason chapter so soon, by the way. Yeah, again, especially considering that these kind of are just... They're just Jason running around and, like, looking at Frank be a monkey. And then he goes uh-huh. underwater. <laughs> Watching Leo do fucking Cirque du Soleil st- stunts on the, on the rig. <laughs> these motherfuckers are about to be becalmed also. God, they truly are. Um, I, they, they would surely be able to fish better than the fucking Black Sails Pirates, though. <laughs> well, yeah, Percy can just, like, hit up some fish, say that he's their friend, and then stab him with a spear. That's awful. <laughs> uh, they do what they gotta do. I guess so. Jason and Percy do finally get their boys trip that they were, but, like, weaseled out of last time. They, they are very, like... They are... They are friends in a way that is very, like, bro, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Like, the the, the the common thing that seems to be going on between them is that, like, they tell each other to shut up a lot. Uh-huh. Like, at one point, Jason says, shut up, Jackson, and then a few lines later, Percy's like, shut up, Grace. <laughs> yeah, their, their thing is that they're kind of mean to each other. Uh-huh. 
Which I guess makes sense, given that, like, their friendship also seems to be founded on, like, a pissing contest over who would kill the other if they were mind-controlled. Uh-huh. <laughs> I also feel like... I I know this probably isn't the case, but I, like... My true and sincerely held headcanon is that uh, Percy has actually just fallen back into a habit of saying, shut up, Grace, for when he used to hang out with Thalia. <laughs> And Jason has picked up on this as like, oh, this is a cool thing we can do with each other. No, this is just what, this is just how Percy is around the Graces. That's really good. I need that to be true. (laughs) Percy has like an affinity for the Graces, I feel like. Like they, like not a good affinity necessarily. Like it's not like they get along. He didn't really like Thalia. Yeah, but he kind of also doesn't really like Jason in in a similar way. Uh Uh-huh. They have that same kind of grudging thing. Yeah, like they they like each other just fine, but it's not a, like a it's not the world's deepest friendship. Like you know, let's say like a pair like Piper and Hazel have been shown as having. <laughs> Fucking hell! <laughs> hey, I have a question for you. Uh huh. What's the difference between a made up myth and an actually true myth? <laughs> <laughs> uh, whatever the fuck Rick Ryden wants it to mean, I guess. Uh huh. Because, yeah, you're right, Jason, when he sees, like, the underwater palace, is like, holy shit, are we in Atlantis? And Percy's like, no, no, that's made up. That's that's mythological bullshit. And Jason is very understandably confused. It's like, we live in a world of mythological bullshit. And <laughs> Percy doesn't have a response to that, basically. Uh, not a good one, at least. And it's it's interesting to see where that line divides, right? Like, I wonder what the mm. intention behind this is. Like, why shouldn't there be an Atlantis, you know? I think it is just like, I think maybe maybe Rick Ryder has has twigged that may, saying like this is a world where all mythologies are real is going to lead to like if nothing else like severe world building headaches for him further down the road. Right. Yeah. Because then it's like, okay, did this did this place actually sink? Do we need to like, do we need to go into that? Do we need to figure yeah. out how like because Atlantis is like a is like an old political like uh, analogy, right? From Plato. Mm. Yeah. Which, interestingly enough, we kind of just got some Play-Doh with uh, Nico. Nico talking about Play-Doh's old story about, like, uh, gender, basically. Ah, uh-huh, yeah. So, I kind of wonder if we're supposed to, like, take from this... I think we're supposed to take from this that Rick Ryden read some Play-Doh. <laughs> yes, that, but also <laughs> that, like, maybe, maybe Play-Doh's bullshit, but all the other stuff is true. Like... <laughs> You know, Plato's stuff was just rhetorical inventions to, like, convey ideas, uh, as opposed to, like, myths. Uh, as opposed to, like, the other myths, which definitely weren't that. Myths which spring up organically and never have any kind of, like, political uh, undertones to them. Yeah. No, they, aren't, would, they I, aren't there to, like, explain or, like... Uh. I think it'd be very funny if it was just, like, Rick Ryden, for some reason, doesn't like Plato and decided that everything is true except for anything Plato said. That'd be awesome. <laughs> I would kind of respect that. Yeah. You know who else I respect? Who? Kimopalea. Yeah. Kimopalea innocent. I mean, she tried she to kill really... seven children, but... I mean, yeah. It's one of those things where, at this point, Percy and the book are both very half-hearted about being like, no, but you're being evil about it, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to the point that it's like, it seems super intentional in a way that I am, I'm very curious where it's going to go because she talks about how, like, how sad she is that she's not allowed to see her dad, how, like, she's, like, uh, like, 
not never invited over. She's basically just Percy. Yeah, she is being treated in the exact same shitty way that like the the gods treat the demigods, where she's just like unacknowledged and they kind of pretend she doesn't exist. And Percy's response to that is, well, I know that that's probably not good, but at least the Olympians are trying. Which seems to be the fucking thesis of this series, is what I'm picking up. Maybe. Because this is what Calypso was saying last week. This is why she wouldn't throw in with Gaia. That's the problem, though, is that Percy says it's so... He doesn't seem super convinced, I guess. Like I want to, I want to believe that that's the case, because this also... This also would not jive with where he was at the end of Mark of Athena. <laughs> he says, like, uh, a lot of them have cabins now at Camp Half-Blood. Hecate, Hades, Hebe, Hypnos, uh, and probably some that don't begin with H2. <laughs> <laughs> and that's just, that's very funny. But also, I think it's indicative of how, like, he's kind of realizing more and more what, like, half measures were taken and how his promise just wasn't actually delivered on. Yeah, this is this is uh, another thing like like how we saw in like Lost Hero, the the gods just like shunting all the shit work they used to give to the minor gods to like uh, like major spirits or something. Yeah, like it, it's becoming increasingly clear that like if Percy couldn't see it, they didn't do anything. Like he didn't know this god existed, so they didn't bother. That he didn't know about Camp Jupiter, so they didn't like hold to their like promise about claiming there. Yeah. And that is exactly the sort of wily bullshit you'd expect to see from the gods. And yeah. we see that with like how his conversation with Leo goes about um, Calypso, right? Uh, mm-hmm. He's like, hey, I know I should have like checked in. I didn't really do that. And they fucked her over. They fucked me over. You know, like they, they super didn't keep their promise. Uh, so I, what I'm really hoping for here is like, I guess... Because it's the final book, I either want this to be like the big resolutory theme of the of the of the bit, you know, or I want this mm. to be setting up something that will be explored in sort of a larger position in Trials of Apollo. Yeah, yeah. I, what I'm worried about is that the reason Percy sounds so half-hearted when he's saying that is because the chapter is also conveying that like Percy and Jason have heard the like minor god throws in with Gaia thing so many times that they're bored by it. Yeah. And I'm, I'm hoping that this isn't just, like, a bit. <laughs> yeah. Because that is also what's happening here, right? They're like, mm-hmm. yada, yada, you got, you, you, she's gonna, you know, she's lying to you, right? LB, you don't care. You're gonna fight us anyway. <laughs> it's, it's a joke about how, you know, he's been writing the same thing over and over a little bit. Um, <laughs> which, you know, hanging a lampshade on your own sort of creative decisions is always an interesting choice. Yeah, I think I think it does like the hanging a lampshade on it does kind of serve a purpose in this chapter because I do think it, it it is kind of funny that they get this cocky and they're like, okay, whatever, I guess we'll deal with this. Uh, and then she's like, oh, by the way, Polybates is here as well. Polybates coming in with actually a pretty good entrance. This is I I we've had this is spoilers for the rain chapters. I guess I think we've had two good giants this book, and I'm hoping that this the next two chapters can redeem Polybates. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because he comes in, he's actually now that he is like underwater, which is like where he's fucking like supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Um, he's actually like, we already know all, like his whole deal that he like turns fucking water into poison or whatever. Uh, and we've joked about that, but I think part of the thing is that he wasn't like in the ocean fighting before. Who the fuck had the bright idea of sending him to take a camp that was on land? 
Uh-huh. Whose idea was that? Good question. Because they should be fired. I guess Gaia, probably. <laughs> Just get guess... anyone else to do it. Truly. Uh, yeah, I... Kimapalea, I... We should let her cook, I think. Like, it's... When she says, like, you know, I don't even get any offerings, it's, like, sad, because we know that's, like, a huge thing, right? Uh, like, she is... But also, it's difficult, right? We mm. talk about, like, okay, these gods are, the like, the disenfranchised ones. But mm. also, at the same time, is the whole thing with the gods not that they're, like, kind of exploiting the entire universe? Uh, I, yes. So... We walk this balancing act when we meet, like, oh, the sad god, uh, who is like, I don't get enough offerings, the mortals don't care about me enough. And we know that that means that, like, they're given less power, less, like, mm-hmm. life force or whatever. Um, but also, to an extent, because we've been set up to believe that, like, <sighs> because doing a deeper reading, I guess, of this leads us to the the Cosmic Mafia reading... <laughs> it kind of makes you th- like okay fucking lucky luciano i'm sorry that like you're not the biggest like god yeah <laughs> uh, it, it's kind of weird right there's a dissonance there yeah it, the the series is always kind of like having to balance like the the gods as like characters and people who walk around in the world and have conversations with people and the gods as like a, a cosmic force in the universe yeah but I don't know. I, th- I think maybe Kimopoleia would be less shitty if her dad talked to her sometimes. Absolutely. Yeah. Poseidon is such a piece of shit. <laughs> he, ju- he he likes Percy, and I think that's why we get to see the good side of him. But if you- he- there are plenty of his kids that he doesn't like, I guess. There's a reason that we co- that the deadbeat dad tactics advanced uh, <laughs> is like his official mo- like motto. Exactly. Like this is this is his tagline. This is his his way of living. He is the deadbeat dad of the series. It is. I think it's actually like carved in stone above his cabin. Uh huh. I think Percy carved that there personally. He got real mad one day and was like, "Fuck <laughs> this guy!" <laughs> and started molding because the wood is constantly wet. <laughs> How much mildew do you think Percy has to deal with in the Poseidon cabin? Uh, none, because he can instantly get rid of all the water, like, the vapor in the air. He can just, like, control it and, like... I bet he puts it in the Ares cabin. <laughs> That's a mean they're, prank. They're confused about why they're always getting mildew. That's really good, though. <laughs> to an extent, it's like, you kind of just have to feel bad for someone when their thing is like, yeah, I, I'm the goddess of violent sea storms. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm the god of, like, ripping people in half. Like, that's just what I am. Like, <laughs> you, you have a bad lot in life, right? God, yeah. Yeah, and your whole, your whole deal is being, like, usurped by the fucking east wind and the south wind and whatever the fuck. This is kind of why Hades is cast as, like, sympathetic, right? Mm. He drew the bad lot. He got the underworld. He didn't really want it, but he got it. And he was the one who was he was willing to like do his best with it. He's the one who uh, does his fucking job. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, she's doing her fucking job in that sense. This is true. She's making the violent sea storms happen. So the same amount of sympathy isn't lent to these minor gods and sort of an act of like narrative uh mm, like yeah. minimalization where they because Rick Riordan needs them to work as like one off like, one-off villains and things like that, they are not often given the same, like, sympathy or, um, 
I guess, amount of, like, credence given to their claims as a character like Hades. Yeah, definitely. Because, yeah, like, you're right. She has basically the exact same grievances, and they are basically as legitimate as Hades' are. But uh, Hades gets a cabinet camp half-blood because, uh... Uh Uh-huh. He's Zeus's brother. If this ends and Percy's entire thing just ends up being, like... I want more cabins, and then I'll then I'll be satisfied. It'd be really funny. <laughs> I just want us to come back in Trials of Apollo and have it be that there are like three hundred cabins at Camp Half Blood. <laughs> They've had to start like building like underground. Just one more cabin, bro, and then that'll fix all of the systemic problems of the Olympians. Just one more cabin. <laughs> God. Uh anything else you have to say about the Jason chapters? Uh, Percy instantly saying that uh, Kimopolea's name is too complicated to say so he just shortens it to Kim is like I instantly I, if she kills him I instantly forgive her uh-huh. well, you can't just say that shit to someone come on that's, that's really rude <laughs> yeah I people in this world this especially applies to just like white people will do it to anyone <laughs> with a name that sounds too foreign to them yeah. <laughs> but also, I feel like people are too laissez-faire with shorting people's names in this world sometimes. Mm-hmm. I, The number of my coworkers who call me Jackie, unbidden, uh, <laughs> just truly, it's it's become my work sona, but only because I have to fucking grudgingly accept it. I, I, I remember in the fucking distant past, you did used to like self-con- self-consciously go by Jackie. I did not do did, that. Did you not? Oh, then I was also calling you Jackie, unbidden. <laughs> Ah, <laughs> oh, it's fun. It's it's fine. It's, you can see how our friendship has evolved over time. <laughs> exactly. Actually, you know what? Percy's being a little cunt in these chapters. Actually, yeah. Because <laughs> he also finds out that uh, Kimopolea was like married off to Briaris against oh her will. Oh my god! And he his response to that is, "Oh, is Briaris here? I love that guy." And then looking disappointed <laughs> when she says no. <laughs> what the He's fuck is being... wrong with you? <laughs> He's being such an asshole. He's being <laughs> such a kid, right? Um, but, like, she's literally like, yeah, my tragic box. He's he's hated guys like this before, right? He's yeah. been like, oh, wow, you were married off to fucking Odysseus or Theseus or Perseus or whatever. That sucks. Um, that was a whole thing in, like, the Titan's Curse or the Battle of the Labyrinth or something, right? With I think it was Titan's Curse, yeah. Uh, but now he's like, oh, yeah, Briary is my buddy because he knows him. It's okay. <laughs> Percy, you have some real fucking toxic ideas you need to unlearn. Almost as toxic as some ideas that Orion needs to unlearn. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, it's Reina time. Oh my god, they made him- Rick Riordan made him an incel. This is fucking ahead of its time. Yeah. This book came out in 2014. This is before, like, the-, the, the Obviously, like, weirdos and incels have existed for all of human history. But, like, this was before, like, the online manosphere really became a thing. This feels, like, really bit. prescient. Yeah, I, w- I would say that this is probably drawing on, like, fedora guys. Like, yeah. that typical sort of thing. And it's the same rhetoric, right? Um, or, yeah, let's just start with Orion, because he, he's, simul- he's like, you. I think you said earlier that you do actually like him quite a bit as a giant, right? Yeah, this is, he's, I think he has, like, a sick design. I think... He's introduced in, like, oh my god, we finally get some fucking blood. Like, he kills five people. Yeah. And it gives him a sense of actual fucking threat, which a lot of the giants have been lacking. Uh, and he also has an actual personality. It's yeah. an awful personality. He's a shitty uh-huh. person. 
but that's what I want from a villain. Uh, yeah, definitely. Like, uh, he he does have a good design because, first of all, I he has like he's like hot is <laughs> he, he's like really hot and he has like an undercut. Um, I I was really surprised to see him described as having an undercut, but he does have one. Um, and uh, Rick says that he has uh skin the color of wheat toast, which might be the oddest like skin color to food comparison I've ever heard. What the fuck does wheat toast actually look like? I guess it depends on whether you've. I guess he said toast, not bread. So, but I I guess it's like brownish. But he just he just means brownish, doesn't he? I guess so. <laughs> but like there, like I guess you can sort of picture what wheat toast looks like in your head. Uh-huh. However, I don't know. There's something about it that is like there's almost a level of like absurdity with like these food skin color comparisons where like everyone in the fucking world hears like oh your chocolate skin or whatever makes my fucking skin crawl to say that but um i think this plays into like this is is a long-running theory that i have about rick ryden is if you like you tell him to stop doing something because it's racist he will stop doing it but he won't understand why you asked him to stop doing that uh so if you if you tell him to stop describing people as like having chocolate colored skin he will stop doing it, but he will think that the problem is the food comparison itself. Uh-huh. Not the food comparison itself, but the food. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so we get like, oh, we'll get like, oh, her the skin the color of coffee instead. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, God. Um, he, once again, Rick Ryden, well-intentioned, but kind of dense old white dude. <laughs> it de- definitely, yeah. And... But the coolest part of his design, did you talk about this in the summaries? His eyes? Robot eyes. He has fucking robot eyes, but they look like goggles at first, and then you realize that they are, like, two independent robot, like, Hephaestus-made eyes, constantly, like, scanning you and peering into your soul. It's awesome. It's very awesome. It's, uh, it's, it's, It's classic fucking prosthetic as a signifier of evil. It but really like, is. But it is also, like, a cool element of the design. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, because he's been, like, blinded, right? He was... Mm-hmm. Which, uh, there's an extent to which it's, like... It is meant to be, like, horrible. It's meant to be horrifying and scary and evil. Mm. But also, we are to believe also that, like, this is what he looked like on, like, all of his charming adventures with the hunters, right? Mm-hmm, yeah. Uh, so... There's a bit there that's like, well, he's not evil because of that, but yeah. at the same time, that is how it is shown. At the same time, none, none of the good guys have robot eyes. Yeah. He he is just an incel, right? That is, <laughs> And not just that, he's a very specific type, which is like the alpha male incel. Yes. Yeah, he's... He is a very, like, uh, nice guys finish last kind of incel. Like, he's, he's not shut in his room. He is, like... He's going to the gym all the time and is confused about why that doesn't make girls like him. Uh-huh. Yeah, because he's like, he's he's very like, he has the daddy dom tumbler, right? <laughs> we've, we've brought up this, this a few times on this podcast, but it, it, it needs to be used when it's true, and he has the daddy dom No, tumblers. you're right. He has, he has the monochromatic profile picture of the guy, like, straightening his tie. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> People are like, why are you fucking 20 feet tall? What's wrong with you? I guess he's not 20 feet tall, actually. You're right, you're right. The, the design has been <laughs> scaled down. 
<laughs> yeah, which I like because he's not just like a palette swap, basically, which is what all the other yeah. ones are. Yeah, I, I really like actually that he's a more compact design because it just feels like it makes for more interesting fights where you're not just fucking hacking to get this guy's feet. <laughs> uh, definitely, yes. I mean, at one point, it's, it's fucking awesome. Yeah, like picks him up like Wonder Woman by the leg and throws him across the way. And then she also, like, throws a car at him, I think. It's really cool. She's awesome in these chapters. <laughs> I love like, you. No matter how lame her nickname is. Look at you, twice kill. What does that mean? Who cares? Wow, you won two duels. What about, like, fucking quintuple kill or some shit? Like, that'd be cool. The fucking, the timelines in these books are insane. They, it's, this, the, this because happened, of the time, like, two weeks ago. Because of the timeline, she was only able to do the duel twice. And yeah, fucking, we hear the Son of Neptune happened a month ago god we read that book like a fucking year ago yeah <laughs> lord in heaven i i have one more thing to say about orion's like worldview though and uh -huh. you're gonna like start you're gonna prepare it's gonna you're gonna be that picture of an anime girl that's like about to throw a rock on my head but then you're gonna put it down again okay um, uh i'm he's kind of right interesting this is an interesting he's place to uh plant your flag <laughs> no 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 i'm not planning it anywhere i kind of am <laughs> He's kind of right insofar as, like, he's, like, every woman is, like, magnetically attracted to me. Like, I'm just... And that is shown to be, like, kind of true from Reina's point of view. Like, she's like, wow, I am for some reason just really attracted to this guy. Yep, he hasn't showered in three days. He's got the alpha musk. <laughs> no, he but, like, he that read is, read like... He read on Reddit that that No, no, you're right. That is actually... That is, like, what Reina says. Uh, and... What this really really makes me think is that because he is such a piece of shit who's obviously like evil and wrong this is supposed to make you reevaluate Reina as a character and sort of what we've been expected to believe of her so far okay because 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 Reina has been this character who's shown to be like oh she's always trying to get with some guy to gain power right i don't like where you're going with this what do you mean you, you drawing comparisons between Reyna and Orion feels like you're building up to declaring that Reyna is a femcell. No, no, you <laughs> misunderstand me completely. Oh my okay. God. No, I'm saying that the book is saying that, oh my God, Jane, why would you think that of me? <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm thinking that now, now and it's kind of funny. <laughs> no, 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 stop it. Um, no, what I'm saying is that the books have led us to believe, like, through implication that, like, Reyna's things that she's kind of scheming and always trying to get with some guy. Yeah. And that's then what this piece of shit says, right? Like, oh, you're always just trying to get with some guy, but they're always dumping you. This is true. Um, so what's happening here is that Rick Riordan is sort of, like, looking at how he has, like, characterized her so far and said, like, well, that's kind of a shitty way to, like, like think of a character, like, think of a woman, right? Uh-huh. Like this is this is sort of making us reevaluate what we've been told about her, I think. I see. I see what you're saying. Jane, I'm <laughs> upset now. What? It's so mean to think I would say that. <laughs> I mean, I don't think you'd be wrong if you said that. I don't think I I don't think she's a femcell. I <laughs> I guess what's your Okay, you're the one who's saying she's a femcell now. Argue for it. I, I she li literally spends the entire conversation with Orion like flashing back to Aphrodite saying, "Now nah, you're gonna get no bitches." 
and be mad about that. I guess that is true. Um, Literally, she's like, femcell, smelly femcell, no boyfriend. But speaking of Reyna, she is not having a very nice time in Puerto Rico. Yeah, she definitely killed her dad, right? I kind of think so. (laughs) Like, she, her greatest fear is coming home. She and her sister had to leave very quickly for some reason. The house is full of ghosts that call her a murderer and a traitor. Uh Uh-huh. I, I think she killed her dad. And it's really built up pretty well, like this sort of suspense, right? Yeah. Um she is like she's get she gets all these like this mix of emotions, this rush of like I you know, I I love like what it feels like to be back here, but I hate the fact that I am back here. Mm. Um there's a really good line that says that's like being so close to her old house made Reyna feel ratcheted tight like a catapult wench. Uh this Which is, is this like is a, a major improvement over this made Raina feel like this dish from her hometown. And that reminds me uh-huh. of her hometown. Let me tell you about it. Uh-huh. <laughs> um this right, because it most speaks to her as like I mean, both of these lines speak to her character and like where she comes from in mm. different ways, but one is less like Shit. Rick Riordan trying to be like, I know about Puerto Rico. <laughs> <laughs> What, you don't know about fucking catapults, the the greatest cultural export of Puerto Rico? Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, so, I, I, but I just really, I think that line, like, really, like, makes you feel like that, like, really get the feeling, you know? Mm, yeah. And it's like, she doesn't want to go near the house. She wants to get out of here as soon as possible. And then she has this, like, almost breakdown when she realizes that, uh, that Ia has, like, tried to like like reclaim it yeah she she is absolutely furious that he would even like come back here let alone like take the deed in her name and own own the fucking place yeah uh i also i really like in that scene there's a line where she says like she looks around feeling as if she was being watched which she often was and it doesn't explain what that means until we see the ghost like a chapter later it's like a really really nice creepy little bit of foreshadowing right because i i assumed it was like her dad was abusive, you know, he was always, yeah. like, watching over them or whatever. But it seems like maybe it was the ghosts that were always watching her, actually. It seems like the dad was also abusive, but the ghosts were I mean, also yes, watching. I mean, yes, of course, also. <laughs> like, that, that that does seem to be true. But I think, but I assumed that what you were getting at was the ghosts. Yeah, yeah. I, I think there's a lot being done here to make her a more interesting character. Like, we get this idea of, like, what she thinks about, like, community. And, like, how it relates to, like, the Legion. But also, like how she feels about being back home in San Juan. Um, it's, it makes her like feel more like a person, I guess, than she did before. Yeah. She feels, she feels more like someone with like her own unique perspectives than just like the, the leader character for a faction. Speaking of her perspectives about like the Legion and community and stuff. Uh huh. I, I feel like she's, Maybe being set up to make up to like make a serious error with Nico. Okay, yeah. Because uh, she she talks about how like you know she can feel his loneliness and isolation. She kind of wants to like do something for him in that regard, and like you know have the kind of companionship that people enjoy in the Legion. And I think uh, this might not be deliberate; it might go nowhere. But the fact that we were introduced to Nico with him being miserable at a military school. I think might be like Reina is like identifying the wrong thing to try and help him. Yeah. Which I think would be interesting if it went in that direction. 
I also think Rick might have forgotten that was how Nico's arc started. Uh, maybe. But we did see that he has hung out, like, plenty of times at Camp Jupiter, right? Yes, true. Uh, so I think you're right and that, like, Reyna is kind of trying to, like, she's watching out for Nico now. She is, um, I think that could very easily be, easily be true because that is how she understands, like, how, do, what will make you feel good in the world being a Camp Jupiter, right? Mm-hmm. What will make you forget about the horrors being at Camp Jupiter? You know, get, getting some fucking military training in you. Yeah, exactly. Um, she's trying to... And what she's trying to do is fill this big sister role, which I didn't realize that she... I, I think I forgot that she was the little sister. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so it does seem, now that we've, you know, seen more of Ia, that she is tr- sort of trying to emulate her. Yeah, definitely. Also, we do learn in these chapters that he had dual blackbeard, which is pretty sick. That is fucking sick, yeah. <laughs> Ia is awesome. Like, kind of just a really cool character. Like, we get this idea of her as, like, a social chameleon. Um, mm. I-, I can't not think about her as kind of like a John Silver type from Black Cells. <laughs> um, maybe it's just because of the pirates and the horrors. Uh, but, like, this idea that she is someone who, uh, because of her past, has, like, just sort of shed her skin of needing to be a person and is adopting all these different roles when they suit her. Yeah, we hear that, like, she she was, like, uh, uh, a real suck-up for Cersei when they were, like, living with her in the Sea of Monsters. And then she becomes, like, a hardened pirate to, like, get the respect of Blackbeard's crew to the point where, like, he had to kick her off the ship before she started a mutiny. And then becoming, like, the, the icy queen of the Amazons. Yeah, and, and the Icy Queen of the Amazons and also basically Wonder Woman, if I haven't already said that. Uh, like, yes. <laughs> she she is she has like a ring or like a circlet that makes her extra strong. It's a belt, so she can I just think. like a belt, yeah. So she can just go fucking toe to toe with an with a with a giant. It's very good. I also we do get some clarifications about Amazon here. Uh apparently. Uh, the the male uh, the males that they keep around to do all the manual labor are not slaves, which is good, and it's clarified that they are just subservient. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. <laughs> oh god. This week, this... the writer's poorly disguised fetish. <laughs> Lord in heaven. Rick uh... Ryden wants to be led around on a leash by a muscular woman while he packages shitty electronics. I guess we all do, kind of. <laughs> not really. I, uh, not really, actually. Not really. Um, the Amazon Hunter Alliance is an interesting idea, though. I like this as a little bit of world building. I think it just, it's one of those nice things that, like, it makes the world feel less like a series of random encounters and more like, okay, it makes sense that, like, if the hunters had someone who wanted to stop being a maiden, you send them to the Amazons who do basically the same thing. And yet, if the Amazons are like, okay, this person doesn't want to fucking work under jeff bezos we send them to the hunters Uh yeah they have this really like this relationship that makes complete sense with the world is established but then Mm -hmm. sort of it being there and making it so they do like historically work with each other makes a lot of sense like this this detail that um orion doesn't see any difference between them which is very like uh all women are the same to me you know Uh yeah um, but that they are also, like, out there taking care of monsters while the camps are busy. Yeah, that's really cool. Mm-hmm. Speaking of really cool uh, and hunters. 
Yeah. Thalia back. Thank fucking Thal- God. Thalia's back. I missed her so much. And <laughs> she is introduced in maybe one of the coolest action scenes we've ever gotten from a Ryden book. Uh-huh. Which is just like a fucking John Wick. Like... <laughs> John Wick style like chair escape. Yeah, because they they like they have Raina tied up initially, and she like loosens her bonds and then like smashes into someone and breaks the chair, and then puts a knife to Thalia's throat. Yeah, she does it by. We get this whole bit where she is like evaluating the room without her vision, where mm. she is like she can feel what her chair is made of by like wiggling around a bit. She can tell from the echoes of the voices, like how big the room is and what materials might be. She can like basically figure out how many people are in the room. And then she like executes. It's like watching a scene from fucking arrow almost. Uh, (laughs) It's like those those bits from those fucking Sherlock Holmes books. She's like step one, discombobulate. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. And she has this badass action movie one-liner where uh, one of the Amazons is like, look, it's three to one and your hands are tied. And, and it's like, you're right, Ran and growled. Get another six of you in here and it might be a fair fight. <laughs> She's fucking cool. I Like, I take back everything I, bad that I ever said about her. <laughs> God, yeah, it's really good. I also, I think this, this chapter also gives us, like, the best description of Thalia that we've ever gotten. Mm-hmm. Where um, Raina is like, you know, the only the only thing that's similar between Thalia and Jason is like their eyes look the same. Raina had always thought of Jason as the all American boy. Thalia looked like the kind of girl who mugged all American boys at knife point. Yeah. <laughs> I love that so much. Yeah, she's wearing a like a punk's not dead you are shirt. <laughs> but yeah, it also seems like she's coming with them, with the main th- main trio. Which I'm very happy about. Yeah, I want them to, like, reunite. I I need an actual fucking Thalia and Jason, like, big reunion. I need her to, like, meet back up with the whole crew, you know? Yeah, like, she met Jason once in Lost Hero, and that's it. To an extent, her story's done, right? We Mm -hmm. we know this. Like, she was a successfully executed character arc. Yeah. She went from point A to point B. But... She is still an element in this, in this ongoing franchise who has all these pre-existing relationships that could e- be very valuable, like, for storytelling purposes, you know? I, I feel like you could probably mine quite a lot of extra drama about her brother who she thought she was dead turning out to be alive. And so far, it seems that there isn't much, you know? I also, um, I'm grabbing Rick Ryden by the lapels. I'm shaking him back and forth. And I, I know this doesn't happen because we'd have fucking heard about it. But, like... Raina is like commenting that oh you know she's got she's got the same eyes as Jason and the specific thing Aphrodite told her was like you will not find love at Camp Half Blood and I'm like come on come on get get bond with Thalia over this journey and get with her come on God yes <laughs> uh it would be really good actually I I really like that idea it would also be very funny if uh Orion gets gets killed by two women who are in love with each other I think that would be good I need him to get fucking killed by a lesbian <laughs> as much as we like hate him he is a very good threat which is which I really like I like that they didn't like play the whole thing like oh he's following us he's right behind us for too long you know yeah, I, I actually, it seems to be going in that direction, and then it's just, oh no, he has just bur- kicked through a wall and killed killed five of the hunters, including, like, 
Phoebe is not a major character, but she was like a named character in the PJO books who comes back here and then gets fucking murked. Well, she was like, she's established as being like the one of the oldest hunters, right? Yeah. She was there when Orion, like she, she and Orion like were cool with each other at one point, presumably. Yeah. We get a bit more about Apollo here. Mm. Uh, that Orion says that like, hey, this is all Apollo's fault. Actually, he fucking he was jealous of me of my relationship with his sister. <laughs> which, uh, no, which normally is like that's that's a relatively that 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 passes the vibe check usually. I think with the Greek gods, you need to be more careful with that wording. <laughs> Uh-huh. Uh, and I feel like there is some ambiguity that is supposed to be left there because Orion has this weird twisted worldview like the Joker. Uh-huh. I guess, I guess the godly DNA doesn't count, so. Uh-huh. But it's like... <sighs> Christ. <laughs> <laughs> Penny in but... the air. <laughs> Penny drops. Just like the Riddler. No, not the Riddler. <laughs> Who fucking does that? Two-Face. Like, why are there so many Batman villains in this episode? And Orion is a fucking DC villain too. Oh god. But we get this whole story of like... Was it like Apollo like drove him insane? I think so. Yeah, he apparently just like pulled so many pranks on Orion that he went insane. Which is kind of funny. It is not It is funny. Like, And then Gaia was like, alright, shut the fuck up and killed him with a scorpion. <laughs> It's just what uh, Luke tried to do to Percy. Oh yeah, that is yeah, that is what he tried to do. Oh, can I can I talk about how good Coach Hedge is getting every single chapter? Yes. Every single like he's getting so much better as a character. He comes in to like beat the shit out of Orion like in in a really <laughs> actually good surprise entrance. Mm-hmm. Um, where he and Nika are just like bedecked with fucking like. Uh, like tropical shirts that they <laughs> that they like stole from the gift shop, and for no reason in... that I can figure out. Uh huh. And, uh, and also during that scene, before you move back to the other one, uh, he does. It's also mentioned that he like he has his baseball bat and he smashes it over Orion's head so hard that it like cracks in half. <laughs> cool as hell. Yeah, he's like Harley Quinn to me. There we go. So many DC characters. I want. I wonder if you went to the comic book store today. I went to the comic store yesterday. Oh, okay. Well, you showed me all your comics today. Well, that's fair. He also makes a just a very funny, like not super drawn attention to joke, uh, where he says, "Like, yeah, I've got a smoothie. It's a pineapple, mango, orange, and banana buried under a mound of shaved coconut. I call it the Hercules smoothie." Oh God, yeah, that's such a, that's such a good little, because <laughs> nobody knows what he's talking about. No. Reyna and Nico weren't there for fucking Hercules getting buried under a pile of coconuts from Piper's fucking cornucopia. He's purely saying it for his own amusement in a way that is like, yeah, this is what like this like old dad would say. I, I'm glad that we are getting the Coach Hedge redemption arc in the final book, because this is very endearing, I think. I agree. Uh, anything else you want to say about these chapters before we wrap it up? Uh, I mean, also just another endearing Coach Hedge thing. I like that they they land in a bar and he immediately just starts raiding it. <laughs> he yes. just he just starts pulling out random bottles and starts mixing drinks because he figures he's going to be there for a while. It's very funny. <laughs> more and more, he is becoming a type of guy. This is, I guess, that this is dad behavior. He's kind of like he's he's growing into it. Yeah. Oh, that's sweet. Uh... He's definitely gonna die. He's definitely gonna fucking die. He's Rick Ryder is gonna get us finally invested in Coach Hedge, and then he's gonna kill him. I, I, 
I fully believe it. I, <laughs> I, Coach Hedge is going to be like the tearjerker of the book. Yeah, definitely. They're going to kill off... They said that like somebody on this ship, but uh, didn't realize that like Coach Hedge was also on the ship at the time, and it was actually him. They got the um the the cure that they brew will be like you have to swap one life for another, and all seven of them are like because Coach Hedge was kind of annoying around them. It's just like, oh, we could just we could just sub in Coach Hedge. Nobody's gonna mind. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and by that point, like. Coach Hedge, uh, Nico, and Raina and Bally have all gotten, like, matching tattoos. <laughs> uh, I want that to happen. Not the death, the, the matching tattoos. They're, they are, like, the little punk rock crew, kind of. They're, like, the weirdo the weirdo group, you know? They, they, are, they are a weirdo little punk rock group. I think they should all get, like, punks. One of them should get punk, one of them should get not, one of them should get dead, and one of them should get you are tattooed on them. Yeah. So they can all, like, they can get them all tattooed on their backs or something, so when they stand in a row, it sends it out. Also, Nico has to be the one with dead tattooed on him. I was going to say Coach Hedge. <laughs> well, I was thinking the Hades thing, and you were thinking that he's going to fucking die thing. Uh-huh. <laughs> it would be really funny if he tattooed the word dead on himself and then died. <laughs> <laughs> I guess he probably has the UR energy, right? Uh-huh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I I think that'll be a first of the day. I think so. Uh, not cishet. Not cishet. Uh, Reyna, I'm holding out. I, I'm, I'm hoping that it happens between her and Thalia. Yeah, I hope so. Hmm. There's something about, like, being... Like, okay, you're largely alienated from, like, your dad. You're only, like, tentatively... Like, you can't really be invited to family gatherings. And when you are asked to come, like, you're like, okay, behind this part of yourself. I think that uh, Kamapalea is gay. You, you know what? That actually... That would not shock me. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. Uh-huh. It's great that this series is just, like, one of its broad themes is about kids being uh, estranged from their parents. Because it just gives you, like, it gives you endless ammunition for this segment. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Incredibly fucking easy. Well, our intro and outro music is Super Mario Ocean by Space Pony. You can find that at OC Remix. Our cover art is by Vera at Innsmouth underscore in on Twitter. We are hosted by the Moonshot Podcast Network. You can find them at moonshotpods.com or goodfuckingpodcast.com. They've got hosts on topics ranging from everything uh, from uh, Hollywood adaptations of books to uh, funny mail carriers in space. If you want to find us, you can go find us on Twitter, co-host Tumblr, at UnwiseGirls. We've got links to our Discord server. We've got uh, our email, our individual socials. Uh, and also uh, updates when episodes drop and visual companions when needed. As well, if you want to support the show, you can go uh, to your podcast app of choice, leave a five-star rating and review, or tell a friend about us, or go to patreon.com slash unwisegirls, where for a dollar a month, you'll get the Discord role of Camp Counselor, for $3 a month, you get the Discord role of Friend of Bacchus, as well as all of our bonus content. It, it has been literary as fuck over on the bonus show. If you want to listen to us like talk about a whole book and episode, uh, now is the time. We just covered uh, Rick Riordan's second Trace Navarre novel, uh, The Widow is Two-Step. Uh, and to wrap up our Black Sails coverage that we've been doing for the past few weeks, uh, last week we read Treasure Island. Yeah, so get on that. 
And for $5 a month, you get the Discord roll of Venus's Chosen, all of our bonus content, and a special thank you at the end of every episode. Speaking of which, this week we'd like to thank Isle of Sammy's Great, Danny, Tana, Bree, and Erica. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. And as we always say, at the end of every single episode. See you next week, Camp Half-Blood. See you next week, Camp Half-Blood. Bye-bye. Bye. that umeboshi baby chew it slowly done quit your fancy asmr dreaming and wake up what we're back who's back okashina podcast anime with friends of course oh never heard of it i have who Who are are you you? i'm victoria i'm joining okashina podcast as the third chair Nani? Would everyone stop screaming? Well, I'm glad you asked. Okashina Podcast Anime with Friends is a podcast in which two childhood besties, me, Sabrina, and you, Don, and you, Victoria, watch anime together and then discuss what we watched with restrained delight. That's three people. Mm, sounds boring. I'm going back to bed. You can't! You'll miss all the weird, wild, under-the-radar anime we cover. I never agreed to this. It's fun! Check us out on the Moonshot Podcast Network. Insert joke.